week two of the YTT Diaries and I can't believe that I am at the 14th day of the training and I dropped off after day eight just because I suddenly had no words or rather I felt pressured to to document my thoughts and I wanted to be a little bit more uh, proactive and adaptive with my insights and experience. This week was difficult and the teacher Nilish said that by week two we would have transitioned from a spectator to a student and true enough this week felt like a student one who is absorbing knowledge and at the same time striving out of instability, stability, rummaging through self-discipline, yet a little bit distracted here and there. There were various challenges and various victories that were to be celebrated this week. I think this week the body was complaining more than the week before just because like with the morning my sore classes we got deeper into the asanas and I'm pretty much in a memory flow from the primary series to the closing series at my own momentum and starting your mornings every day with like one to two hours of like Ashtanga is truly an art. I mean, today I jump awake at 6am and I think my body clock is starting to get accustomed and conditioned to this routine, which is beautiful. Yet, I can't say that I've been allowing myself to rest enough. I still find myself in old habits of wanting to do as much and wanting to maximize my time and also giving to the world and the people around me in whatever way possible. I spent two of my off days with people that I love and doing things that I love, which is so beautiful. And I realized that I I like to maximize my energy in so many ways. And it's almost like an excuse from taking that deeper journey within, with the self. Some days I feel so close to this self that is becoming. And then other days I go back to the external of my responsibilities, the Rachel that I have identified myself with. It comes and goes. And I think there was one particular difficult time this week, probably on Friday, right before the day off, where the day was just so difficult between the postures and the breathing and then the knowledge from the philosophy of like having to go through deeper and deeper into understanding the sutras and also how it relates to every move and the mind and the physical and the emotions. It's a combustion of energy and at the same time 
you receive it with a lot of calmness and yet there are many other doors that you look at and some of the doors are scary some of the doors have fears some of the doors have joy and the art of yoga is essentially coming to terms with these dualities whereby you see both doors fear and joy dark and light and yet you are unaffected by the space in between and so the ultimate truth is that essentially where you are no longer affected by the dualities of this world which can be achieved through postures where we basically go through a deep self-inquiry of understanding these differences and making peace with it it's really beautiful if you think about it we now started to get into this part where we study the eight parts of yoga which is the eight steps that highlights the benefits of ashtanga yoga and these steps essentially lead to like gradual organic growth and it is also an intellectual approach to spirituality and it's so amazing how patanjali the saint had given these verses and and in one sentence the layers that you dissect through every word and grammar is vast it's almost like you could write a book per word and it really makes you think about how limited our knowledge is on the surface where we spend too little time going to the depth of it i found a lot of appreciation to the things that happened this week and one of it was that Nilesh started to bring in like other forms of teachers into part of the training and these teachers are representative of yogis who live everyday lives who who are normal people who are between you and me on the basis of we are all students and teachers like roaming on this earth basically on this realm at least and a prominent one was when he invited this ex US marine guy to tell a story of how he was basically uh sent to survival school where they went on this mission for a couple of days up in the mountains to endure these challenges as a part of their training and it was a beautiful sharing session where we were just in this circle and this man walks in this american man with his beautiful wife and two kids and there was something about this guy he his his face just had so much light and he was so humble and it reminded me of how some people just have this natural shine in them their their energy is just so pure because they've seen life they've experienced life and and 
they are able to share their wisdom with humility and with pure kindness of simply wanting to inspire others by doing him and so this story was crazy because they basically had to be in the middle of jungle going through these challenges without food without water for days where they had to go through the map and look through coordinates and find themselves from one mission to the other and they were only able to move at night because by daytime they were normal civilians like roaming around and part of the training is that you're supposed to become invisible and unseen because hypothetically if you're in a war zone that you don't want your enemies to see you and so they sort of had to learn how to work together and it is through this experience that the mind and body and emotions are truly tested and it is amazing what the mind can achieve actually and what fails us most times is the weakness of the mind he brought this interesting analogy where you know one day they were huddling somewhere and suddenly there was a car there and then there was this guy lighting a cigarette and talking to this other guy they could either be an enemy or someone who was there to save them you see mind you after a few days you're just looking at these people and it's almost a fine line between hope and paranoia whether are these people going to kill us or are these people meant to save us there is no answer to it but only time and patience and so after observing them for a while these guys apparently like threw the cigarette out and then threw a can out of the car and then sped away and after they sped away because you know as part of the training they're supposed to become undercover and so they just observed it to make sure that the cause was safe and clear for a couple of hours before heading out to check what the heck that was and it was basically a can of dog food and there was about like five to ten people in their team big small large lean all in this mission together some were doing good some were doing bad some were doing okay they were all at different state of minds and everyone just sort of looked at that can and figured what the heck is that and soon enough they figured out that they took out the label and behind the label there were basically these coordinates and these coordinates was basically <laughs> to another mission where they had to go another 20 miles at night to get to the next destination so imagine this can of dog food a team hungry as hell with no water no food for days tired because of the lack of sleep because they were only able to stay awake at night to make sure they get to where they need to go and by daytime they couldn't really sleep because they need to be on watch and they had to be camouflaged the whole time let's just say that their body was quite possibly at like 30 40 percent and so everyone just looked at each other and looked at the can of food and started taking and opening it and then just started taking a spoon each one took a bite the next took a bite and soon enough the entire can was done and it's just this whole analogy of him explaining his experience where we 
none of us can relate to life-threatening experiences like this because, well, not not many of us at least. And and you start to think about like what is the mind capable of, and how strong can the body be at the moments where you're meant to survive and be at your fittest, even when you can't. And to what extent are you willing to survive in order to stay alive? I guess we would put it all. We would do it all, right? I mean, I mean, at what point does one give up? And so he gave this other analogy of how, like, when you know, soon enough after that training, and he usually would go like running with the team, and let's say they would do hundred meters, two hundred meters, and there would be a finishing line, right? And at one point, they tried to do this test where where basically, if you're running towards the finish line and if you're if you know that it's a finishing line, then after that, how far would you continue running right? And so the weakest person, basically, after a while, was the first that slowed down. And so they fell back. And then the next one, which was like the intermediate, medium, strong people, was running, running, running. And then after that, they would fall back, you know. Um, And then the final one, the strongest of the team, would keep running past the line. And eventually, they would still fall back. And so it's just a theory of like how the human mind, mind over matter, as soon as you run past the finishing line, how much further would you keep running till you give up? And no matter how strong the body, you could keep going, but it's just a mental condition as soon as it is set up to believe in something. So our beliefs play a strong part in the way we function as human beings, clearly. And it basically allows us to do what we want to do and it shapes our actions, it shapes our reactions and it's so important to reevaluate our beliefs and how it contradicts or contributes to our day-to-day behavior.